0: Hello, my friends. This is the Red Diva, Persephone Rose. Welcome to this episode of the Sovereign Health Podcast. As I predicted, because a diva can control the weather, it is a beautiful, perfect, crispy, warm, but cool fall day here in the beautiful Willamette Valley of the gorgeous Pacific Northwest. There are red leaves and blue skies. The light is landing on Earth at a beautiful angle, and it is my favorite season for just about everything. I am not recording this episode in my antique apartment building. I am in a small white cubicle at the public library. These walls are not soundproof, though, so we may be subject to some noisy page turning or loud studying. And anyone on the other side of the wall may be subject to hearing me and my guest talking about getting our empowerment on with some bumping and grinding, twerking, maybe some strip teasing and ass slapping. You're welcome, stranger on the other side of the wall. Today I am joined by the beautiful and talented Diana Blau whose work has taught me so much about my body and my relationship with it. She has very much informed my ongoing struggle against social programming and structure that dictates how to be and do and behave as a woman. She has contributed greatly to my being sovereign over how I show up in the world how I present, and more importantly, how I value myself with a capital S, and how I care for this one body that I incarnated into. Diana, aka Diabolical, is a burlesque dancer and teacher. She has been performing here in the mid Valley for about six years. She is also a yoga and Pilates instructor, but I want to to believe that she loves her burlesque classes the best because she gets to not only lead her class through one hell of a workout, but she gets to help women find their self-confidence and body love. Dai describes burlesque as an art form that is all about loving and embracing your body, no matter the age or the size. Plus, sexual expression, liberation, via dancing and striptease and strutting Is so empowering. She is a sexy ball of fire, a fierce feminine leader, and has ended up on my gratitude list more than once. Diana, purveyor of radical self love, welcome to Sovereign Health. Thank you. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Thank you for having me here. I am so excited. I want to kind of start at your beginning. So I know that you discovered and got into burlesque. Uh, shortly after the birth of your son, which I think is a very transformative time for women that we don't really often pay enough attention to. We're transforming from one archetype to another, from maiden to mother. And a lot of times we're having to come to terms with the fact that our bodies have changed. Um, And I also think there's there's a cultural expectation that we are not this anymore. Now we are this other thing, and that we can't be both. Can you talk about that time in your life and how you discovered burlesque and what about it called to you as an art form that you wanted to explore?
1: So, yes, after I had my son, a lot of reality came in. I didn't realize how much I was catering to my partner at that time and giving myself away and making parts of myself smaller in order to maintain peace. And then when my son was born and I had to give all my things away and put aside the things that I was passionate about, it became so clear that I had kind of lost myself a little bit. And also, yes, my body changed, and that is always a hard thing to deal with when you're used to your body performing certain ways or looking certain ways and then having this big shift to stay steady with that self-love. And so I was going through some struggles with the way I felt about myself physically and also my spiritual energy with myself. And so then I had a good friend of mine um, call me up and say, hey, do you want to get into this burlesque convention thing with me? We're going to be doing classes all day, having dance parties in the night. And I was just like, yes, this is the answer that I didn't even know I was looking for. This could be this path to healing some of this difficulty and pain that I was experiencing so that's where it kind of started was I attended this um festival called Burley Con it happens
0: annually in Seattle and that's where I started my training okay so that really came along for you as like this point of healing that maybe you didn't really know that you needed but here mm-hmm. it was because that's how the universe works right Yeah, <laughs> 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 really, really, Yes. Yeah. When you, when you started, um, I guess, getting into burlesque and performing burlesque, were you, was teaching burlesque something that was on your radar? Was that something you were hoping to do eventually, or were you just kind of doing it for your own growth?
1: So I was definitely on my own personal burlesque journey. It just so happened that I had recently been Pilates certified when We decided to do this thing and then shortly after got yoga certified. So I had been starting teaching in the community on this new career path that I was on and then exploring dancing and performing burlesque. And so it just kind of organically came to me as like, hey, I could add this to my repertoire. Like I love movement. I have a lot of intelligence with like the physical plane. And so it just kind of Got inspired through where I was at in my life. Nice. It was again a perfect storm. What?
0: What? Yes. You <laughs> needed. Yes. Um, and yes, I you you now embody that very much. I I remember the first class that I went to. I think it was in an upstairs room at a local theater through the Parks and rec department and. Me and my friend were there, and for some reason I don't remember why. but you were having a life moment, and we're running late, and so all these women were kind of like, "Wow, here we are, and where's the teacher?" and that sort of thing. And and you kind of breezed in. Here she was, and there was like no really apology or stuttering, or it was as if, of course, you're not waiting for me. I'm here. <laughs> And I just remember that you you walked into that room on, like you walked into that room on stage. And and me and my friend looked at each other and I our eyes were big. And I and I just remember feeling at the same time, okay, this brand new thing that I'm trying, I, I am in very capable hands. She's got me. But also. I am effing terrified. Like it was scary. <laughs> it was really scary. I think it took four, five, six, I don't know how many classes before I recognized that I was starting to feel comfortable in my own skin doing this. And I always wonder if you can tell by the way a woman walks into your classroom, or maybe by the way she does the warm up or something, if she is. If she's going to be a natural or if she, like me, like this is the beginning of a journey that is life altering, but terrifying.
1: Um, I often back in that time when I was working through the theater, I wasn't working by myself. So I wasn't always interacting with the client. So I was just receiving the clients in those moments. But how I do it now, I'm running through my own Channels. Okay, right. So I often actually get to talk to people before the class. So usually the people who are nervous are reaching out and saying, I am nervous. Okay. And so we're getting to actually have that conversation where I'm giving them a little bit of one on one time of explaining like how the class is going to be, talking about how why it's that nervousness can be part of it because that's a sign of like needing that healing to lean into something new and challenging, but exciting. And so I don't always have to know because they kind of tell me and you'd be surprised how well people can protect their vulnerabilities, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not always easy to tell, but usually when people start moving with me, it's more evident because some people are like, oh yeah, I've moved in this way before. Maybe they've done dance and some people are kind of like looking around like mm, is anyone watching me as i'm trying this new thing that's unfamiliar and so yeah usually the movement will be a lot more telling than just their, their presence yeah. yeah
0: i know that you uh start out pretty much every class with a warm up where we're basically just walking in a circle but it's a very specific type of walk i don't know what else to call it except a strut And, you know, we're engaging our shoulders and our hips and even holding our chin in a certain way. And and I know that for me, I am still in this place where I have to consciously flip a switch to go, okay, I am in this mode now. In order to go into that empowered, confident, sensual struts mode, I'm just wondering, Do you have a name for that is there what is that attitude called like do you have a name for it
1: yeah so I would call it confidence is what I would identify that energy as and like everything it is a muscle that needs to be exercised right Right. so just like self-love is a choice confidence is a choice um, there is this person I've known for a long time and she works in the self-care world as a um personal coach and she shared this fake it till you make it you know we all know that phrase mm-hmm. fake it till you make it and how she didn't like it until she realized that faking it till you make it is just practicing it. and I was like, yeah, that's so true you just, Choose to practice self love, and then you are doing self love. You choose to practice confidence, and therefore you are confident. There are so many times that people will come to me and be like, Oh, Diana, you're so confident. You're doing all these things. And I'm like, You know what? When I'm not confident, I just choose to be confident and I push through that nervousness and anxiety and fear. And what other people see is confidence because I'm just choosing it. So I think what it comes down to is like giving yourself permission to be a confident person. And yes, the movement is also something that takes practice and that confidence will build as like, you get used to walking with your hips swaying more because I mean, I even remember as a kid, like seeing other girls whose hips swayed a lot when they were walking. I was like, oh, that feels like asking for too much attention. I better not sway my hips. You know, like there's even this cultural conditioning of like making yourself smaller and less seen that maybe you have to unwind or yeah, it's just burlesque is an exaggeration of what is. So it started out as like comedy and exaggerating performances. So it's like our hips do move when we walk. We're exaggerating that movement. Our chest being open is confident. So really lifting the chin and the chest is just bringing it up, you know, so it is muscle, physical muscle practice, but also the working of that energy practice.
0: Yeah. And I would, that's a beautiful thing about your classes because you do have to be, you do have to have some muscle fitness there, amazing workout, (laughs) but, but it is, it is a a muscle to practice and toe to have that Confidence to throw that switch, Mm -hmm. and and it is about giving yourself permission. And and I like what you said about culture because I think that that's that piece that women push against and why they need this so Mm -hmm. bad is 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 for that place to practice uh, all of the things at the same time. And is it like you are a dancer and a performer, and um, I'm just wondering. Do you get, do you get like more joy out of personally? And there's no judgment, it's not a right answer, but is it, do you get a bigger kick out of the woman who walks in and is already confident and just nails the choreography and it's this beautiful thing? Or is is there a joy and a, a pleasure for you in watching a woman kind of unfurl, kind of crawl out of her cocoon, that sort of thing?
1: I think both are really beautiful because each person's coming in with where they're at, you know, like when someone is getting my choreography, that's feedback to me as a teacher that I'm making it palatable for them, you know, cause like I have my own ideas about what's going on in my body and, and my part of my job is teaching. It's translating that information over through different learning styles. And so that can be rewarding of like, okay, there are, picking up what I'm laying down, but also it isn't just a movement class, right? It is a self-love practice. It is a maybe a spiritual practice for some people. So to see that person who, you know, was kind of just like doing the movement small, but with time is like doing a hair flip or swaying their hips when they're strutting is really, really beautiful to see that grow. And even sometimes I get the privilege of people sharing, just hearing you share earlier how your experience was in my class and how it's helped you find these things. Yes. Like I sometimes almost want to cry because I'm <laughs> thinking, oh, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to share this experience I had of, of finding this like love and admiration for myself with other women. Because we all deserve to feel this confidence and joy of being in our
0: bodies. Yes. We do. You do. When I am setting in my personal life and my spiritual practice, when I am setting up sacred space for meditating or spell casting, or even for being going into hyper-focused boss babe mode, I call that sacred energy into being in the name of the maiden, the mother, the crone, and the whore. And these are archetypes that women go through in their lives um, at different times and different ages and different seasons. But I think there is this cultural expectation that you can only be one of those things at a time. And particularly if you are being a holy whore getting your slut on that you are not any of those other things, particularly that you couldn't possibly show up as a good mother or be respected as a a wise woman crone. Um, And yet I feel and believe that at any and every stage of a woman's life, she is all of those things at the same time. And then the other side of the coin is that while being a whore or being sensual or sexual is oftentimes frowned upon. The other side of that coin is that if we are not a perfect physical sexual specimen, we are not good enough. And so there's this dichotomy. And the result I think is women walking into your class, walking through the door of studio who are are maybe terrified to be seen and who are embarrassed to be moving their body in this way and don't want anyone to look at them, um, and yet they're starving for this, mm-hmm. this tool that will help bring them back to their own wholeness. And I, I guess, can you comment on that? What do you think women are looking for when they decide to walk into a robust class for the first time?
1: Yeah, so touching on that, um, you know, different archetypes of the feminine energy, you know, when I first became a mother, and I was also a nanny at the time to a young girl, and that's, you know, how I paid for things, I felt this energy to, or this instinct, I guess, to stop wearing a lot of my clothes. So I stopped wearing a lot of my clothes only for a little while, only for a few weeks. And because I had this idea of like, I'm a mother now, I have to represent myself in the world as a mother. I am a role model to this young girl. I need to be modest with my body. And I'm sure that comes in with some of the cultural conditioning I received as a child. I was raised very religious and taught that my body was a sin to expose. Yes. Um, And so that can, you know, have those layers. But then I was like, no, no, I like my clothes and I like my body. And, you know, slut and mom can be the same thing because how do you think I got pregnant in the first place <laughs> I had true. I had to be willing yeah right <laughs> so it just it's it's funny to me that that the thing that creates life cannot be a part of motherhood it's like it's oh an
0: yeah this, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like no you know what um I'm gonna let this girl's mom tell me if she doesn't like how I'm dressing not 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 make myself small. Like maybe I'm modeling to her that like I can be myself and my body doesn't belong to anybody else's opinions, and you know. But I that still leans in sometimes at like school pickup. Like I showed up one day like wearing an outfit that I felt totally comfortable wearing, but then like suddenly just with a bunch of parents around, I like found myself folding my arms over my midriff, and then I was like, "Why are you doing that?" So then I put my arms at my side, and then my arms just became very noticeable to me (laughs) (laughs) it was like what do I do do with my arms (laughs) why did I wear this shirt and it was like just you know that that conditioning that you have to just kind of reject so that's what came up in in like some of those like being the whore and the mother you know or I can be wise and sexually expressive Um, but to highlight on you were saying um people coming into my class Um, can you, can you say I that guess again? just
0: do, do you think women are thinking about it that deep? Are they looking, are they mm-hmm. coming in because they know something is missing from their life maybe they don't have a word for it. Maybe they know that they do want to come in and have a safe container for sexual expression. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess just, what do you think? What's the gist that you get most of the women are looking for?
1: I know that some of the women are like, you know what? I'm trying to be a professional in this community. I'm afraid Mm -hmm. that being open with this sexual energy is going to damage that. So maybe that's kind of like the crone Mm -hmm. versus the whore. And and then also being like, this is the safe container that I can be that. And so be professional or even this is the container that's going to help me mesh that. Um, Or even, you know, just being in this place of never really being allowed to be that due to the way you were raised, you know, especially if you were really raised religiously, um, not allowing, not being allowed to express this part of yourself. And now here's this space where you can. So, yes, they want that. But it is terrifying because they've been told their whole life that they shouldn't. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: And then again, (laughs) that they should in the appropriate moment when someone else says it's okay to. And so, you know, I think everyone comes from their own path of this can be a part of me or is a part of me. And this is a space that I can clean it in. At least I hope.
0: (laughs) I think so. I think so. That's, it's beautiful. I wanted to ask you, I have noticed in some of your marketing materials and some of your group chats um, with those of us who are in your classes, that when you write the word sexy, you write it with an, an I S E X I instead of with a Y. And to me, I'm always like, to me, that helps me differentiate between this kind of demeaning, objectifying sexy and speaks to this more empowered, sovereign version of it. But I'm just kind of wondering if you can comment on that. Where does sexy with an I come from?
1: I love that you um, share that with me because honestly, my partner, he is Cuban. And in Spanish, sexy is spelled with an I, which like (laughs) I just, for some reason, that was like really... I was really drawn to that spelling instead. I was like, oh yeah. And I I guess in a way I kind of made it a part of my brand to always spell sexy with an I. But as you ask that, it makes me connect with like that energy that got invited into my life, just engaging with that Cuban culture of women are going just to the grocery store in a third world country to get their groceries in like, what we would call a cocktail dress and high heels because that's what they want to wear. Wow. And it's not weird that's, that's and it's lovely. not getting stares. It's just like, oh yeah, she went out of the house. She wants to look nice. Wow. And they're allowed to be sexy and they're allowed to, I mean, we are too. Right. But there is this pressure of like, we we're always hunting for those opportunities to like wear that dress you know, like, ooh, there's an event coming. I can finally wear this dress that's been in the back of my closet. And it's like, what if we just went to the grocery store in our yes. sexy dress? We did that. That would be amazing. And so, yeah. Um, so that connection with sexy of like, mm-hmm. we can be sexy. Okay. We are sexy. I love that.
0: Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. That <laughs> like that. I do want to kind of circle back to something we've mentioned Um, because I, you know, I have my own journey that I've described coming in and going through your classes. Uh, But it it does seem that there are some women who, who are, are not necessarily in this shy, timid, terrified mode. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're really able to just jump in and be very brazen and sultry and slutty from the get go. And I'm wondering what do you think those women possess that the rest of us are looking for? I mean, are I mean, are they all just leo fire signs? Have they all been have they been dancing their whole lives already? or what what do you think they possess that some of us don't?
1: I think all of the above, you know, everyone is bringing what they know. So some people have been, and I know some people have been on their self love journey. For many steps, many approaches, where some, this is the first step, you know? And so that's manifesting. Some people are healers, the way I could call myself a healer, where they're doing work with women in the community in terms of self compassion and self love. So they already know all these teachings. And this is just another avenue of kind of the same idea. And so, you know, they have this like to stand on. And maybe some of them were dancers. So they're like, yeah, dance class. I know how to do dance warm ups. I know how to do dance walking. And so that comes out in their energy because just like that talk we did about conditioning the confidence, building the right. muscle, right. right. Has already been being conditioned. So I think it just kind of just depends on like, what step on that path is that person stepping into that room? And so I really try to hold some space too, because I do see there are people who like want to be in the back of the room in the corner. And sometimes I encourage switching rows, but I don't push it too much because sometimes being in the back corner allows for them to be in the room and feel safe and explore the movement without feeling stared at because they're not ready to be seen. And when they are ready to be seen. They'll start coming towards the front of the room, you know, or like wanting to receive more. I even have some people come into the room wearing sunglasses because having this kind of mask allows for them to say, okay, I'm kind of hidden. I'm not as seen and I can let go of that watching kind of just a little trick of the mind because we're all, you know, kind
0: of just trying to engage in that bravery. Right. Yeah. I, I touched on how you start each class. I wanted to mention that you usually end each class with a quiet time, a quiet mm-hmm. meditation that you're kind of walking us through. And it's really all about self-love and love for one's body. And you always say, correct me if I get it wrong, you've only got one body, love the one you've got. And I'm just wondering, can you can you tell us like in your own words, how burlesque dancing is a tool toward and an expression of what you call radical self-love.
1: Yeah. So that quote, you've only got one body, love the one you got, is on a little box, a little kind of stationary box um, that my friend who encouraged me to get into burlesque, I'll give a little shout out to Fancy Fanny. Um, She had gifted to me and it said that on it and I was And that those words had like meant so much to me in the time, that now I kind of just added as a little slogan at the end of my ads to maybe speak to someone else like, Hey, this is your body. You can, you get to choose if you're happy or not about it, you know, like you get to choose how you're going to engage with it. So that's kind of where that slogan comes from. The self-love practice it stems a little bit from, you know, being a yoga teacher and having that time at the end of meditating and connecting with your body. And so I wanted that after, because there is all this energy that happened physically and emotionally. But also I did this workshop at um, that convention, I go to Burley Khan. This woman had a healing your relationship with your body workshop where we did all these different things to heal the body and even, you know, did some meditations, but also did some little activities and did some like sharing about our bodies with a partner. And it was really healing for me to connect with some of those things. And some of those things I do even incorporate into our meditations of like, what is your favorite part of your body? Or what is something amazing that your body has done? And it's kind of almost having like a gratitude practice for your body. I even end every Pilates and yoga's class I teach with a moment where I say, and now we're going to pause and be grateful for our bodies. I'm not like you have to be, but I say, (laughs) let's take a moment to be grateful for our bodies or notice what does your body do for you? You know, as just kind of that regular, like, thank you body. I I couldn't have gotten through this class without you. I can't get through my day without you and just have that kind of love and respect for yourself. And so the radical part of all of that, cause you know, like movement with the body is always can love for your body. As long as you're listening and respecting it your limits. A, it is what I call an act of diversion. Yes. But um, the radical part I would say is like loving your body so much. And loving yourself so much that you can be brave enough to get on the stage, whether that's like the stage of a burlesque show or the stage of walking into a class and saying, I love my body so much. Here's an opportunity for you to love my body, you know, because not everyone in the audience is going to love what you do. But you're giving that opportunity to like multiply that energy. And even if they don't, it's not going to change you because this is your art form this is your self-expression and so that's I guess where that radical comes in of like I love myself so much I'm putting it on the stage it's worth it's worth getting
0: paid to see
1: nice
0: (laughs) nice. I love it I I think of radical both in terms of kind of bucking the status quo pushing back against that cultural conditioning that each of us has Um, and I also think of it I talk about how when we do any act of nourishment, when we need it the most is when it's hard as hell.
1: Mm-hmm. And so if
0: <laughs> if for me, it was very hard to walk into that class and begin to be comfortable in my own skin that way, for me, it was a very radical act of of self-love to kind of make myself do it anyway. You know? So mm-hmm. I love that. I love that concept. Um, I am curious, I have. I know that you've had some male-bodied people express an interest in your classes. I know my love, who is gender fluid but does present sometimes as as male presenting, has expressed a desire. And then I have another friend who I believe was the partner of another one of your students. Uh, he's he's very cisgendered male. He's very guy presenting, but he did he was talking about how he would like that opportunity to get in touch with that uh, sexy with an eye side of himself, and 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 that kind of sultry undulating part of himself. And yet he said he acknowledged he doesn't want to take away from women's battle to to regain that part of themselves, and understood that even his presence in the classroom might be triggering or intimidating. Uh, yeah. I just wondered, what's what's your thought on that in terms of um, mixed gender, mixed bodies classes? So
1: burlesque is
0: all bodies are beautiful.
1: Yeah. Um, no matter the age, no matter the size, no matter the gender. And so when I started my classes, they have always been all genders welcome. I just so happen to get exclusively cis or trans female and occasionally non-binary people in my class. Um, But there has been males who have been interested. But then I've also heard from clients, I really love that this is an all-female space. I'm really grateful that you do that. And I've been like, oh, well, I... I didn't actually specify that. It just ended up that way. Something that I think about, though, when you ask that is like, maybe the males that are interested in in connecting with this feminine energy are already aware of feminine boundaries and how misogyny has affected Women females. For yeah. Centuries. yeah. And so, so maybe they're not signing up simply because they have that awareness. You know, you were sharing like, he had this idea that maybe
0: it would be triggering intimidating or
1: yeah. Or yes. And so um, what I think about all that is like, it comes down to like respecting each other, like, you know, having mutual respect and maintaining the safe space that I like to have in the, in the classroom. And so moving forward, if a male ever did register for my class, I would let the people who had registered already know that a male had signed up Um, and if they want to opt out of that particular class because of that, totally fine. There's going to be more classes. And, um, And then, you know, respectfully making a note to the male, hey, you know, this has been like a female dominated space. So please bring that safety and respect that, or maybe not even reaching out to them, Particularly, but just having that reminder at the beginning of class—remember, this is a safe space, and we all deserve the safety and security yeah. of being being vulnerable and respected in the community. I, I don't know if that kind of answers <laughs> no, what... that.
0: Just one of your thoughts on it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell us how people can find you. I mean, obviously, it's you're live and in person, so yes. it's, it's local people. But if anyone local is listening and they want to check out one of your classes or have a conversation about it, how can they find you?
1: Yes. I confess that if I had a website, it would be so much easier. And I have heard (laughs) that feedback and I hear you and I will be working on that. uh, Fingers crossed for like 2024 is my next adventure of getting my website up and running. But for now you can find me on Facebook under my birth name, Diana Blau. And Blau is spelled B L A U. Oh yes, B L A U. So it's the uh, the German word for blue. If that's helpful as a memory, Diana Blue. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and on Instagram, it's just my name reversed, Blau Diana. Um, so that's where I'm at for now. Um, I post about my classes there. So nice. Yeah,
0: okay. if you can follow those pages. Up, you'll find something. <laughs> is it cool with you if I put a link? to you, to your Facebook in the show notes. Oh, sure. Okay. That I sounds great. And can do that. Tell us a little bit. I'm excited for you. Tell us about your performance series that's coming up uh-huh. and how that's going. Where, when can we see that show? And, and I know it was a while coming for you. So
1: Yeah, so people had been requesting as we were doing classes for me to produce a show, and I was like, "Oh, well, producing haven't done that, so that's a little bit of a leaning into a new uh, avenue for me." So I kind of had to like build up my confidence for that. I had to exercise my confidence muscle, Um, but finally, I've gotten to a place where I feel ready, and so there are still spaces open in the series. Mm -hmm. It will be. throughout the fall of taking classes. These classes won't be so movement-based as my other classes. There will still be movement in that stage presence and confidence energy, of course, but we'll be leaning into like costuming and makeup and hair and all these other pieces that burlesque is because it's so many things really. It's like to be a complete burlesque dancer, you have to have all these skills. So that's why usually people cluster together to okay. help each other out, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, the show will be January 5th. That is a Friday at a local um, Mexican restaurant. It's called Max's Food and More. Nice. And um, okay. um, um, it's up on 9th Street. They have a little stage and lots of tables. And so it'll be at 7 o'clock there so mm-hmm. a nice after the new year show
0: if you're interested i am interested yes yeah all of our listeners are interested as well
1: yeah so that would be really exciting because some of the some of the people are just more than ready to be on that stage some of them been like you know asking me well, questions yeah yes. like
0: be patient be patient and then
1: some but I have some, a couple of people who haven't ever done classes with me before signing up for this too. So it's That's really wonderful. exciting. They're diving off yeah. the deep end. That's
0: yeah. Exciting. <laughs> yeah, Neat. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, with my me pleasure, and, and for showing up and um, getting off your stage and onto mine. Um, hey. I I will see you tomorrow at workshop. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, l- before we go, let me just ask you. What is one thing or two things that you do in your life personally um, that you might recommend to listeners to stay sovereign, to have supreme and absolute power and authority over your own life? Mm -hmm. So when you
1: say that, um, it makes me reflect on, so I have these like goddess Oracle cards and, each one has kind of a quote from the goddess mm-hmm. of what they represent. And one of them, I don't even remember the goddess, but her quote, her phrase was, you are a wise ruler of your realm. And so that is a little mantra that I have like held on to for years, 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 years. I don't say it every day, but you know, whenever I'm feeling kind of lost in stuff, I'm, I come back to that and and you even get that regal posture, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, yes, I am a wise ruler of my realm. And so that was just kind of a thing that really spoke to me. But something that is a regular, sometimes daily practice, um, if I'm ever doing a new class, whether that be like even yoga and Pilates or burlesque or just whenever I'm feeling that I need it, I have a mantra that I often come to, which is I am confident. And so even sometimes in the beginning of yoga, when I ask everyone to be quiet and I close my eyes, I say it to myself. And so, yeah, it's been a really life-changing mantra for me because. So you are. Simple and clear.
0: Con- you are consciously ever exercising
1: a muscle. Uh-huh. Exactly. And because, you know, just like with um, we were talking earlier that it's a choice, it's not like, well, I made a choice six years ago to be confident and now right. I'm just confident every day <laughs> and there's no problem. It's it's every single moment of choosing to be confident. You know, if I walk into a, a new situation, no matter what it is, just being around a bunch of people I don't know. I often find my posture changes. I often hold my hands behind my back when I'm feeling shy. And and so then just consciously choosing to say, okay, I'm going to be confident in this moment because that's what's going to get me through it, you know? Right. So having that mantra, I am confident, and then make helps
0: make that choice to be confident. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being uh, here. I appreciate you. Um, thank you, Diana, purveyor of radical self-love. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the 11th episode of the Sovereign Health Podcast. I am the Red Diva Persephone Rose, and I hope you are able to find that thing that lights up your world, brings you into a sense of wholeness, and builds your confidence and radical self-love. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, please share it with your friends and fam. That is the number one thing you could do to make sure that this podcast keeps casting. Remember that each act of nourishment is also an act of defiance against that which would keep you playing small. Be sovereign and go out and have a beautiful day.